shout out to all of our radio affiliates as we kick it in the late night hours, the late night anger management class. I am Renzi. Although I'm a little less angry tonight because we crushed uh, the NFL game uh, this evening, but we don't live in the past on this program. But Baltimore does get it done. The game goes over the number. Baltimore covers uh, the number. Ohio State will not get a chance to cover the number against uh, Michigan. And now all hell is breaking loose in the college football world, or has it? Uh, you know, we'll know in a matter of hours, uh, basically, and stuff will start to roll out how they're going to handle this. Uh, but you know how they're going to handle this. They're going to handle this with Ohio State getting in the playoff one way or the other. And the Big Ten athletic directors are not going to get in the way of this because they get a piece of uh, the money that Ohio State gets for going to the college football playoff. So we said it was a crazy and a wild day across the board uh, today. And it really was. We haven't even gotten into uh, the PSG um, situation in the Champions League. Champions League stuff is crazy enough as it is. And, of course, one of the few games today that I decide to put 200 bucks on, right? That's how my day starts. I actually started with radio interviews and then uh, another interview and um, and then a bunch of shows. Uh, But in between that, I'm like, you know what? Let me get a head start on the Baltimore Ravens. So... Let me get in, and I'm looking at the Champs League stuff, and you got to figure out who needs what. That's the big key to this, right, at this stage. So it's like, all right, do they need to win? Like, how many goals do they need? Or, like, do they only need a draw? You got to know all that stuff. Uh, So basically, I knew that Paris Saint-Germain needed to win. Coming into this, they, you know, they needed to win. So I'm like, yeah, dude, they're monster favorites. I'll lay the goal. And in fact, I don't think Istanbul's going to score on them. So I'll play both teams to score no and I'm also going to load up on a parlay here. And I ended up putting 200 bucks on the game. And game starts. And I remember I was mad because I looked up and I was like nine minutes in. And I'm like, man, how come these guys aren't leading yet? <laughs> right? Because, <laughs> you know, the mind, the degenerate mind of a gambler. I'm like, how come these guys aren't leading yet? Especially, you know, I'm an impatient soccer better. I'm one of those guys, like after 13 minutes, I'm like, come on, man. What the hell's wrong with you? So... Basically, it's like nine, 10 minutes in, 13 minutes in, and I do a radio interview, and I get off, and I start looking for the score, and I'm like, where the hell is this game? I'm like, where's the end game for this? What's the score? What's the score? What happened? And then I realize, oh my God, they walked off the pitch because the referee used language that a player was not a fan of, and it wasn't like, you know, whatever. It was might have been a misunderstanding. Late Night Anger Management Class continues. Bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You're listening to Sports Rage with Gabe Morenci. What's the dumbest bet I ever heard of? I disagree. I disagree. I've heard that a lot. You know, I still haven't seen that movie, Uncut Gems. I've never seen it. And I, I hear it's awesome, and I know it's great for degenerate gamblers and stuff like that, but that's why I haven't watched it yet, because as a degenerate gambler... I don't like realistic movies that are going to freak me out. <laughs> I'm like, I do enough gambling. I've been waiting to get around to it. You know what I mean? Like, I like escapism. I like Star Trek and, you know, hot green chicks. Um, you know, that, that's that's what we're into. 
uh, right now. But I do got to check that movie out. So listen, I just want to get to something here. You know, whatever. I don't. We don't plan uh, these these segments. Some, you know, somewhere where we're gonna you know, talk about the spreads and stuff. Level three, we like to get to different stories and topics, etc. Um, we have something cool as far as Michael Jordan's golf course is concerned uh, in Florida. He's got drones. He's got drones delivering booze to you on the course. Michael Jordan's just a badass, huh? First golf course, I believe, to do this. Um, the golf world is lighting up about it. He's got his he, Jordan's got his own golf course now. He built in, um, and you know, it's open like it's like a course, but whatever. Um, in Florida, and uh, there was a video out. There's a video out there. Just look it up. Jordan's golf course, and these dudes are playing. They're like, check it out. We just ordered some drinks, and basically a drone shows up on the green with like a full mini bar. <laughs> it's like you know, there was like bottles of booze, champagne, whatever you want, beer. You know, you got the drone. And uh, wow, the, fu- the future is here. The future has arrived. But, you know, I'm in a Ram mood tonight. And you know what? Why not? Shout out to, uh, shout out to 1090 right now in SoCal. So we're, we're in a Ram mood. I just want to bring this up because Kevin Walsh and I, and I like debating Walsh. He's a smart kid. So we got into this and we were talking about, um, he was saying Jared Goff sucks, essentially. All right? He was saying that Jared Goff blows. And... I said Jared Goff is a top 12 quarterback, and he scoffed at that. He scoffed at uh, Jared Goff being a, a top 12 quarterback. So, you know, I just sort of wanted to, you know, take a look at this right now. And where is Goff? Where, where would Goff really rank? Best quarterback in the league is Mahomes, right? Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league. Russell Wilson is right there. Russell Wilson's a stud. Let's go Rodgers is a stud. Um, Drew Brees, you got to give Brees his love, even though he's getting older. Brees is a stud. Uh, I, uh, Drew Brees at this stage of his career, but nevertheless, Drew, Drew Brees, Drew Brees is still a stud. But really, like honestly, when you get past the Mahomes, Wilson, Rogers, there's a drop off, and then you get into the next tier. All right, let's throw Brees in here to be cool. Then you got your, you know, let's go to Sean Watson. You know, uh, Watson, you know, sort of there. Watson's there. Uh, Deshaun Watson, um, Josh Allen. Let's go, uh, Josh Allen. All right, let's go. Let's and we are, we're we're saying so players that are definitively better than Jared Goff. And I'm already I'm already ready to put Goff on my list here. We're getting here. So Mahomes, Wilson, and listen, we're not going we're not going in. Um, we're not even going in order here. This isn't my top uh, list. But Mahomes, Wilson, Rodgers. And, you know, I'm not even going to take Breeze out of this. It, Breeze is bothering me. Breeze is old and hurt. So if you're, if you're not even playing, I can't consider you. So you have your top three. You have your elite top three. And then there's sort of a drop-off, right? And then you got guys that are good, that are having good years. But are they great? And, you know, listen, Josh Allen is right up there. Josh Allen would be an MVP MVP candidate if it wasn't for some of these guys. Uh, We'll put Josh Allen up there. Ryan Tannehill is having a rock-solid year. But is Tannehill better than Goff? Yeah, really? You know, so, you know, Goff, we're we're starting to get into the top 10, and I can rattle off a bunch of names here that you guys might be thinking I'm not talking about. But, um, all right, Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan blows, all right? 
Matt Ryan blows. He's at the end of his career. You know, you want to judge full body of work in their careers, whatever. Yeah, Matt Ryan's put up bigger numbers, but you know, you you ask me who I want now, Jared Goff or Matt Ryan. I'm taking um, I'm taking Jared Goff. Big Ben Roethlisberger can't throw the ball further than seven yards. Justin Herbert's a rookie that whatever throws 300 yards every week and loses every week. Matt Stafford, Matt Stafford and Jared Goff are very similar. They're very similar. I'll give you that. And in fact, if you look at their quarterback rating, QBR, Matt Stafford 64, Jared Goff 61. Goff's QB rating is actually lower than how good he is. Like, I'll put it this way. These are quarterbacks with QB ratings better than Jared Goff. Kirk Cousins. Is Kirk Cousins better than Jared Goff? No. In my opinion, no. Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers had a better career overall, but Philip Rivers is done now. No. Lamar Jackson? Lamar Jackson can run. He can't throw. He's a one-dimensional quarterback. I'm not a big Lamar Jackson fan. Matt Stafford and Jared Goff, very comparable. Matt Ryan's toast. Jared Goff is better than Daniel Jones. Tom Brady right now. Brady obviously is the great one. But now I'd take Jared Goff over Brady. Uh, I'd take Goff uh, over Minshew. Goff over Cam Newton. Goff over Wentz. Goff over Drew Locke. Goff over Sam Darnold. Goff over Alex Smith. You know, I could go on here. Listen, you know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have this list ready maybe for tomorrow. We'll definitely have this next time for Walsh. But, yeah. Jared Goff is a top 12 quarterback in the National Football League, all right? And, you know, I'm not talking about people's entire career here, guys. I'm talking about right now, right right now, this year. Like, right now, like, who, who are these other guys that you want ahead of them? And I tell you, there's not a ton of dudes uh, that I want. You know, Derek Carr, listen, Derek Carr, good quarterback. And I, I think Carr might not get the credit that he deserves, all right? Carr, Carr's a good quarterback. Carr's got the eighth best step. Put it this way. Like, Ryan Fitzpatrick has the seventh best QBR rating in the NFL this year. Is Ryan Fitzpatrick the seventh best quarterback in the NFL? No. No. Ryan Fitzpatrick blows, all right? He puts up numbers. He turns the ball over all the time. All right? You know what I mean? So, you know, if we look at the QBR rating, and listen, not QB rating, but QBR. QBR is like the mean one. QBR is like the, the uh, it's not like the skinny mirror. It's the real mirror. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The QBR is the real mirror. Patrick Mahomes. Because you'll notice QB rating, you'll get all 123, 133. No, no, no. QBR rating is the one to look at. Patrick Mahomes, 85.8. Aaron Rodgers, 84.6. Drew Brees, 81 uh, even. Dak Prescott in the first five games, 79.2. Ryan Tannehill, 76.9. Josh Allen, 75. And then this is where the stats start to lose me. Ryan Fitzpatrick, 73. Carr, 72. Deshaun, 72. Kyler Murray, 70. Uh, 71. You know, like I said, Jared Goff is, is a top 12 quarterback. And I think, in fact, I think he's higher than a top 12 quarterback. I think he's higher than a top 12 quarterback. But I'll tell you what. Jared Goff needs to win this game. And I'll be honest. I'll be honest. Uh, you know, I've defended Jared Goff over the years, a lot more so than, than some. And Jared Goff had the worst Super Bowl ever. And not just him, but his coach, the team, everybody. It's, it's a team sport. And But the thing is, it wasn't that long ago. And, he's, they, and same with Sean McVay. This is a massive game for the Rams, psychologically. Like I said, the Rams beat the Patriots 
this could catapult them to the Super Bowl. Like, they're not intimidated by the Saints. They can they beat the Saints to go to the Super Bowl, even though they got helped by the refs. But you know what I'm saying? Like, they need to win this game for their mental well-being. That's like, you know what? We're a damn good team, and we just beat the team that we lost in the Super Bowl. Like, psychologically, it means a lot. Like, you lose this game, it's like, oh, man, we can't win big games against these, these, these big-time coaches, right? Like, and I tell you what. If Goff wins this game on Thursday, there'll be no credit. If Goff loses this game, trust me, he'll get his ass buried. He'll he'll get his ass buried. And listen, yeah, like we like we uh, like we said, you know, Dak Prescott put up those big numbers. Whatever, dude. Dak Prescott put up massive numbers last year, and they didn't have a game a winning game against a team with a winning record, right? So, you know, stats are one thing, and winning football games is another thing. Jared Goff wins football games. All right, Mike Blewett's going to step up and in. The late night anger management class. Level three. This is sports rage. Bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Rage it up. Sports Rage with Gabe Morenci. Rage all you want. Late night anger management class continues. I am Gable Morenci. It's the Twisted Tuesday, and it's been too long since we've thrown it down with Sports Grid. Mike blew it. And you know what? We didn't have Mike on when things were going well for his football team. I figured <laughs> I'd wait. I'd wait until there was a black cloud and there was some negativity around the Steelers. And then we'd we'd uh, we'd invite Blue it on the show. But uh, great to catch up with you, Mike. I know you're a busy man. Thanks for joining us. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Uh, thank you for calling me on my at my absolute lowest moment of the season. But uh, <laughs> as I said to many people, including our own Kevin Walsh, that were hitting me up on social media and elsewhere, I can't really complain about 11 and one. Doesn't look good uh, this week, but I can't complain about 11 and one. No, you're exactly right. So, you know what? There's two ways. I'm, you know, I'm looking at this. There's two per, two ways to look at this for the Pittsburgh Steelers. That, number one, people are way overreacting right now. And they're mm-hmm. acting as if though they're like a 6-6 a six and six football team and not an 11-1 and one, uh, football team. And they've lost one football game, guys, right? That's yeah, right? And style points don't matter. They've lost one football game this year. I'd say that the other perspective of this is yeah, they're 11 and one, but I think would be naive and in denial to say that there's not some issues uh, here right now. Sure. Passing attack, uh, passing attack, rushing, uh, the rushing attack, injuries on the defensive side of the football, linebacker position. I mean, you can only absorb so many losses through the year here. Yeah. So, which, where, where are you on this right now? In which, so are they 11 and one? And hey, everyone needs to chill out and everything's great. Or do you look and you say to yourself, and you know, this is amazing that Big Ben Roethlisberger has the lowest um, completion percentage of deep balls in a National Football League. Yeah. Uh, you look, and the Pittsburgh Steelers haven't rushed for like 100 yards since like week six or something like that. Like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of red flags, isn't there, for an 11 and one football team? 
I think that's fair. Uh, what on the positive side, I would say they're in a good position because they're 11 and one, and a lot of people are doubting them, right? So they had to get here somehow, and people are not really looking at them as a legitimate threat to the Chiefs and perhaps even uh, your team coming out this weekend, who looked great uh, over this past week. But I, I would say that the red flags that you mentioned are real. And I, as a Steelers fan, but also as a host and an analyst and what we do here, I've been looking at them critically. I thought the injury to Bush was going to have an impact. I thought the injury to Debris, to, to Bud Dupree was going to have an impact. But all along, I had been saying that the offense has to do something about the lack of explosive plays in the passing game. If you want to shift to a fully ball-controlled passing game and ignore the run game to some extent, that is okay, but it has to be supplemented by explosive plays in the passing game. Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, there, there is a wide range of opinion on him as a player, but to assume that he, uh, teamed with Claypool, can't be an explosive duo in the passing game, I find to be ridiculous. Now, it does belie what you may be saying. They may know more than we know, and maybe Ben can't push it down the field anymore, but the reality is they aren't even trying. They didn't even try against Washington yesterday. It was ball control all day. They get to the biggest down of the entire game, and they throw the ball to their third string running back on a fade route because they had a, they liked the matchup on the linebacker. It was, it was an odd, odd play. Uh, dear God, that you know the play call to me that was the, the turning point of the game. The Pittsburgh Steelers should have escaped, should have escaped with an ugly 2017 win yeah. uh, yesterday, and that the, you know the fourth down call. And you know they're always going to go back. Coaches always go back to the same thing, right? The play call was good, the execution was bad, mm -hmm. right? They're always going to go back to that. But to me, it's up to the coaches to understand that you know what we haven't done anything right all day. So why, you know, why, am I ex why am I going to expect them to execute this? And you're right, Schuster's a polarizing player. And, you know, you look, and it, it seems as though Ben, you know, between, you know, Claypool and Schuster, really, Johnson has become a guy that he's trusted uh, more than anybody has of yep. late. Um, but you're right, when you, when you look at this, Mike, you know, when, when these football teams play like this, it takes 12 plays, guys. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It takes 14 plays, and at some point, something will go wrong. Yeah. Holding penalty, um, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, there's going to be a penalty, um, you know, batted ball. And to me, that's another thing, too. The predictability factor, and I know the Steeler, and I don't know how you feel about this, but I know there's been some criticism of, man, these guys got to hang on to some of these footballs. Oh, it's and a huge saw, problem. We saw it yesterday on the first damn drive of the game, right? I know yeah. it's small, but hey, you catch that ball, Schuster, it's the first down. Things, you know what I mean? Yeah. He, you know, and I saw he was frustrated. He dropped a massive F-bomb. He whipped his helmet on the sidelines. So drop balls have been a problem. You would agree with that, right? But at the same point in time, when everything is so short, dude, I noticed yesterday these the Washington linebackers and DBs, they were just lining these guys up. Yeah. So it's... It's instant, you know, impact when the ball arrives, boom, because the ball is slow getting there. It's a short, predictable play to begin with. And you're also putting, I get it, there's been drops, but to me, you're putting the, the receivers in a pretty tough spot. People get mad at Ebron for dropping balls. The guy's got like 0.1 second to rein it in before he gets smoked. Yeah. I think that's fair. I, I thought Washington did a really nice job, particularly in the second half. 
making those adjustments in the first half. I thought they were sitting on all of those routes. I thought they were excellent in tackling the Steelers receivers outside of the James Washington play where he was able to get away and up the sidelines for the touchdown. They did an excellent job of containing Juju Smith-Schuster. He seven catches for 28 yards. Chase Claypool gave this is insane. He was on the field for 31 of 71 snaps. He's off the field for 40 snaps. Why? Why would he not be on the field? An explosive player that's been known to make big plays. That's right. Uh, this year, yes. So, you know, the schedule doesn't get any easier right now. You get the no. Buffalo Bills uh, this week. But before we get into that, what about the rushing attack? Um, I get it. And even when Connor's there, it's inconsistent as well. Mm. There's just no consistency. Is this an offensive line issue? Is it a fact that, you know, that's not their identity? Let's be real. Their identity has become, let's throw the football 44 times a game, right? Yeah. If that's your identity, then it's hard to have two identities at once, isn't it, Mike? Yeah, I, I agree with that to some extent. I do think that there has to be some attention paid to. They did play three, ga three games in 12 days. Their yeah. schedule has been off. They have not had a true bye week all year. They've been dealing with some injuries. And obviously during this game, these last two games, they lost Marquise Pouncey, who's the leader of the team and their starting center, and James Conner. They clearly don't trust Benny Snell enough. But you and I would both sit here and say, well, if Conner was in, would it have been much different yesterday? How many more times would they have run? Five more times? Ten more times? That's an impact. But I don't think that. Uh, I think they've trusted Connor at times, but this has become a ball control passing attack team it, almost exclusively, which is the problem. There's no explosive passing plays. The running game isn't consistent, but I get the sense that if Pouncey or Connor were and or Connor were in there yesterday, they might have tried to run the clock out somewhat in the second half. To your point, like that McFarland play, that's it. They catch that. That's the game. But why isn't that to chase Claypool? Just give him a shot. It's amazing to me, though, that, I don't know, Mike, you and I, you and I come from the same era of watching NFL football, but yeah. I remember a day when, when a quarterback was 33 of 53 for 305 that, oh, they must have scored 40-plus points, huh? Yeah, yeah. Like, isn't yeah. that common now? Like, honestly, where it's like, hey, yeah, yeah, he was 33 of 53. You'd think, like, oh, wow, that's like Dan Marino, Warren Moon, the old that's days. Right. Like, oh, it must have been a 45... 41 crazy track meet shit up. Yeah. No, no. 23-17, ugly, boring game. <laughs> One quarterback was 31 of 46 for 296. Uh, the other guy was 33 of 53 for 305. They annihilated their over their pass completion props, Gabe. Both of them. Alex Smith's, Alex Smith's pass completion over yesterday, which I liked, was 18 and a half, and I didn't pull the trigger. I liked it, but I didn't pull the trigger. Yeah, he annihilated it, and Ben went over by six or seven. So, yeah, both both teams were con were content on playing it safe. Let's keep it in front of you. Uh, but you know, Logan Thomas was really the the star of the show yesterday. He, he was great. My will has finally been broken, uh, Mike, as far as uh, props are concerned. <laughs> no, no, look, really, really, like my you. will, my will has been broken, and you know I love the props, right? Yeah. Like I just can't do it anymore, bro. I Russell took Tyree Kill. Tyreek Hill to score a touchdown on Sunday night? Yeah, come on. The guy scored two touchdowns. I like, know. he caught one. Brutal. Uh, like, all right, so never mind that. That's brutal. When I, I lost a prop early, I was like, all right, oh, he'll get another one. I'm not going to panic. He'll get another one. 
And then, of course, he's on the goal line. He does the backflip, and then they throw the late flag. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah, thanks, refs. Thanks. So uh, he scored two touchdowns now that don't count. And then yesterday was just the, the icing on the cake, the nail in the coffin. Uh, Gibson. Gibson over two oh, and a half man. catches. And dude gets knocked out of the game right away. That happened to me with, with me with Dalvin Cook last week. He, I needed 24 and a half receiving yards from him. He's at 21, sprains his ankle, actually comes back in the game, and then they don't throw to him again. So it was like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. You want to know my luck? This is the best. You're going to get a laugh out of this. I, even I'm laughing about this. <laughs> is that I told people, I went on this big diatribe about how, uh, you know, props in football suck. I can't wait for the NBA. At least, you know, 99% of the time, I know my player will get through the game. If he doesn't <laughs> hit the shots, it's on me. You know, if I bet on a baseball, if I bet on Mookie bets, total bases, I know he's going to get four at-bats. I said, if I bet on a golfer, I, I said, I'm only betting on, like, you know, sports where a guy can't get hurt. So yeah. I step up, Henrik Stenson. I'm like, give me Henrik Stenson in his head-to-head -head oh, no. matchup. Henrik Stenson, top 20. Me and Cam are live on the air. Cam's like, Gabe, you just can't make this up. Henrik Stenson just hurt his ankle. <laughs> It's like a Tony like, Finau he, special. You know, I'm like, I think he broke his ankle, Gabe. I'm like, he, he has to withdraw. I'm like, you're telling me the one golfer I just played a head-to-head matchup on <laughs> just hurt his ankle? A golfer is when, like, happened to me once with Jason Day before in the past uh, as well. So we'll, we'll get into more uh, we'll get into more bad beats in a, in a moment. We'll take a quick break here on the Late Night Anger Management class. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Rage it up. Sports Rage with Gabe Morenci. Rage all you want. Sports Rage Late Night continues. I am Gabe Morenci. We're kicking it with Sports Grids. Uh, Micah Blewett, Pittsburgh Steeler fan, um, has to face the music uh, right now and go, go to Western New York because nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Uh, but the Steelers catch a break since there'll be no fans uh, in attendance in this, uh, in this football game. Uh, but should be a fun football game. And actually, if you look at the card this week, you look at the board, it's hard to hard not to say. To me, the two most interesting games of the week are the, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Buffalo Bills. And a football team that I want to get your opinion on that people are not talking about enough, in my opinion, the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. The Cleveland Browns. And I've said this, Mike, about, about a lot of people. I'll say this about Josh Allen right now. People want to rip, oh, I thought he's, for, for not an accurate quarterback, uh, I thought you couldn't teach accuracy. I don't know, the guy's throwing some pretty accurate passes, right? Yeah. So, but when Josh Allen has a bad game, people will bury him. I find it's the same thing with Jared Goff. Jared Goff will throw, Jared Goff's thrown for like 370 and wins in three of the last four games. One bad game, Twitter lights up. Oh, Jared Goff sucks. Yeah. I have the USC Trojans on this list. Put some damn respect on them. I tell you what, and you know, you and Lisi break it down every, every Saturday. Yeah. If Clay Helton was 0-4 right now, it'd be the number one story in college football. And it would be what a loser he is. Aha, the USC Trojans suck. Trojans are pasting people, are 4-0. Nobody gives them credit, right? Nobody gives them credit. 
And I'm going to lead into this with Baker Mayfield, who I've been critical of, and everyone's been critical and laughed at the Cleveland Browns. But you know who's not laughing at the Browns? Teams that have to play them every Sunday. Totally agree. And you mentioned a couple of guys in there. Good point about USC. You mentioned a couple of guys in there that I think uh, are really similar. And that's Baker and Jared Goff. They both have led successful teams. Goff obviously got to the Super Bowl. Baker is in the middle of a massive turnaround right now. The fact that the Steelers are 11 and 1 and they can't clinch because the Browns are 9 and 3, Gabe, <laughs> says a lot. The Browns are 9 and 3. Stefanski, it's just amazing to me when you see Kevin Stefanski is the coach that. Deep and who would have thought, Mike, that maybe January 3rd, that game counts? When's the last time oh. that the last game of the year with the Browns and the Steelers Buddy. counted? Buddy, I've been looking at that game for months, being like, ah, oh, the Browns are just going to have to give it up. The Steelers are going to be playing <laughs> for the one seed. The Browns are going to be out of it. But now the Browns are going to be playing for the division, potentially, with the Steelers with tough games like the Bills in front of them. Uh, but I would say, regarding Baker and Jared Goff, I think there is an assumption that and you can't say this about Baker on uh, this week because he was great, but that they are good when everything is perfect around them. When things start to break down, can Baker come from behind down two touchdowns? Can Jared Goff do that? If the running game isn't great or the offensive line isn't doing a perfect job, can they thrive in those environments? And I think to this point, for both of them, the answer has basically been no. But it's still fair to look at guys like Baker and Jared Goff that have 10 years of NFL, will have 10 years potentially of NFL starting experience in front of them that they can get better. It doesn't mean that they'll be the best quarterbacks in the league, but they can improve. And what Baker did the other day to the Titans was impressive. It was. And to me, you know, the thing that's most impressive to me about the Cleveland Browns and why I think they're a dangerous team moving forward uh, come playoff time as well is. It looks, and you know, whether I don't want to get into climate change and global warming in a debate, <laughs> but facts are facts. And I, so whatever, I don't care what you think about it. Dude, when, in playoff games right now, remember, like, once again, you and I are old enough to remember, oh, man, you're going into Lambeau, bro. Yeah. Like, it's like icicles, frozen. Remember the Brett Favre days? It was like, it really yeah. was a frozen thundra. Remember the old days up at Ralph Wilson against the Dolphins and the Raiders in the playoffs? Used to be like 10 feet of snow on stacked on the yeah. sideline. It would be like, all right, they they paid everyone in Buffalo five bucks an hour and shovel, they gave you a free ticket. Yeah. You shoveled the snow. And it was like, remember, I remember Denver and Buffalo playing in a conference championship game. Just like bad, windy snow. You don't get that anymore. You know what I mean? In January, ah, it might be rainy. You know what I mean? The new cold is ah, it's 44 degrees. Green Bay's been our only shot. Green Bay's been our yeah. only shot, but you're make, you're leading towards a point that's interesting. No, but We're you know have, where I'm going with this. Yeah, this yeah. year is different. I agree. This year, old man winners in a bad mood. It's projected to be a nasty year. It's already rainy and nasty and cold. And I think weather really will come into play. And another thing is, look at all these teams in the Midwest and Northeast that are suddenly that's good. Right. Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Kansas City, Cleveland. Not a lot of fun parties to go play in late January, Mike. No. And that's why I like the fact that the Browns can say, you know what? Here you go, Chubb. Here you go, Hunt. And when the other team's all cold and the helmets are all cold and hard, it ain't a lot of fun to stop these guys. 
Yeah. That's what I like about the Browns. So you agree, weather could really be a factor this year in the playoffs. In addition to what you're saying about the Browns is they're also playing great defense. They have really good defenders, and they can get after the QB. I think the Browns can play a style of football. While I wouldn't expect them to beat the Chiefs or even be the best team in the AFC, maybe even second-best team in the AFC, they can win playoff games playing this style of football, whether it's in Buffalo or at Pittsburgh or at Baltimore, I don't think they're going to be scared of those teams. They took it on the chin earlier this year from Pittsburgh, but it's an experience in, in a team that's building. Think how bad they were uh, the last two years, and now they're turning it around. They're 9-3. and three. And Kevin Stefanski's up there for Coach of the Year. No question about it. Uh, Mike Blue at SportsGrid uh, with us. So, you know what? Uh, speak, we, we, we joked about golf earlier. Oftentimes with golf, they'll have, like, bets and props, Mike, so it'll be like, yeah. you know, Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, uh, DeChambeau, everyone else, right? So you're like, I don't want to, you know, everyone else. I almost feel this way with the Chiefs right now when mm -hmm. I'm talking. But, I, you know, do you feel that way? Are, are the Chiefs just toying with people? They have that championship pedigree where it's like, ah, we'll do enough to win the game. Yet they have played with fire before. And eventually it could, catch, you know, it could burden them, right? I mean, they were down in the Super Bowl. They were down to the Houston Texans. They were down to the Titans. We've seen this before with them where they spot teams' leads. So I'm looking at the AFC Conference Championship odds right now, and Kansas City are all the way down to plus 100. Pittsburgh are plus 370. And I bring this up, Mike, because now Buffalo are the third choice of plus 850. And obviously this week's game between Pittsburgh and Buffalo has massive ramifications on these future numbers uh, right now. I don't know if Buffalo can track down Pittsburgh. I wouldn't expect a complete collapse uh, like this. But Buffalo are a dangerous football team. And Pittsburgh are plus 370 right now. Buffalo are eight plus, uh, plus 850. And really, I'm talking about, hey, you get the Bills at plus 850 to win the AFC championship. You're putting yourself in a nice hedge situation, at least going into conference championship Sunday, if they can get there, Mike. Totally agree. If they beat the Steelers here... That puts them at nine, and that would put them at ten and three. Yeah. And the Steelers would then be eleven and two. 11 and the two. Steelers still have the Colts. So. And the, then the Bills would have the, the tiebreaker against the that's Steelers. That's right. And then they'll play the Broncos, Pats, and Dolphins. I'm just saying that you know the, uh, th a thing that we tend to do here, Gabe, which I don't like in general. A lot of sports media do is they start, or pundits in general, they start ticking off wins and losses oh, for God, everybody. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. Ah, the Chiefs are just going to run the table. Like, you know what? The Chiefs last two months haven't been that great. They got a six-point win. They beat the Panthers by two. They lost to the Raiders. They played with fire with the Raiders again. They played the Bucks to a field hey, goal, love even though your they're a colleague part. Kevin Walsh. You know. Uh, me and yeah. Cam are big Walsh fans, but yeah. Walsh got all defensive last week when we told him about the Giants winning the division. He's like, the Giants won't win another game. Name me one game that they're going to win on the rest of the... And exactly, especially at this time of the year, you can't say that about anything or anybody. Absolutely. When the Steelers were sitting there 11-0, I was like, there's no way they were going to get through this. I did. I think Washington was the first loss. Not necessarily, but based on the way you watch the game and I watch the game, that's not that stunning. The Steelers didn't play well. Washington does a couple of things well, and they executed it well. That can happen, really, in any game, especially in December when people are hurt and tired and everything else. So uh, to your point about the Bills, it is good value. You and I sat here uh, on in-game live a couple of weeks ago talking about Washington's odds to win the NFC East, and people were laughing. And now look. They got a shot. <laughs> I know.
They've got now, the shot. Now the long shot of the Eagles. Should we jump in on that with Jalen Hurts? <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> no. I can't pile yeah, any no, more no, money no, on no. the NFCs. We'll say we'll say no about that. You know, it's interesting. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers opened up as one and a half point favorites in this game. Yeah. And Paul Bovey with, was with us last night. And he said, oh, that's crazy. That's a bad number. He said the Buffalo Bills should be two, two and a half point favorites in this game. And it swung. The Bills are now one and a half point favorites. So, of course, Mike Blewett and Joe Lisi talk college football every Saturday morning. I kidded last week, about a week and a half ago, about sabotaging Ohio State season. Yeah. But I was just being like the joker. Like, I came up with this long before it even became reality. I said, you know what? I only brought it up, Mike, because I was like, I don't understand how all these other teams' seasons are sabotaged by COVID. And the one poor bastard that really could have used this this year was Harbaugh. Right? Like, Michigan <laughs> just could have used it. Yeah, yeah. What a, what a nightmare. We were sorry. We're two and two. COVID shut us down. But no. You know, they for the most part, he had to face the music. So I just brought it up. I said, man, we're going to lose by 50. I'm a Michigan fan. We're going to lose by 50. Uh, you know, what do we gain from this? And let's sabotage and screw with Ohio State and just say safety comes first. Yeah. But now that it's here, I don't like that perception. And the fact is, Michigan, you know, really are without 45 players. They haven't been cleared to practice, so they can't play. They're not copping out. Harbaugh saves himself from embarrassment here. There's no doubt about it. But Michigan aren't dodging the football game. Yeah. But it really does make things interesting right now, doesn't it, as far as moving forward and what we do with Ohio State and how much respect do they deserve? First time they haven't played this game in 102 years since the last time we were in a pandemic of this wow. uh, ilk. So 1918, they had played every year consecutively, even so through Spanish the wars. Flu, huh? Yeah, yeah, uh, even through the wars and everything else, they had played this game. So, uh, you know, keep in mind, Texas A&M Ole Miss is also canceled due to Ole Miss issues. So A&M's got an open date. Ohio State now has an open date. That would be pretty interesting. If BYU and Coastal Carolina can get it done and the Pac-12 has gotten it done in the manners that they have, somebody's yeah. got to, they got, Big Ten has to find a way to get Ohio State a game. They have to. The conference has to step in. And I don't want them to change the rules. I want Ohio State to play. I don't care who they play. If BYU and Coastal can do it and all these Pac-12 teams can play on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. local, let's get a game for Ohio State. It's only fair that they go through the same rigors that everybody else went through. It's a struggle. It's a pain. But here we are. We all know that this has not been a convenient year. And Ohio State shouldn't get in there playing five games. Let's get, just get them another game. I think it's doable. How, you know, and they will, they'll, they'll figure it out. But how, you know, how cool would it be if Ohio State just said, all right, let's play A&M, let's do this showdown. Imagine, the, te imagine the television ratings. The BYU Coastal game ratings. was my favorite football game yeah. of the whole year, college but, or pro. And you know, though, you know they would both clam up. Wow, you know, you know was, I don't, you know, like. Of course. Yeah, well, you know, like you said. And, you know, these teams, oh, we need eight years in advance. We need six years in advance. You know, you can't just schedule a game. It's like, I don't know. These teams are scheduling games in two days now. Yeah. And in three days now. If you BYU want to play, you 2,000 miles to yeah. do it. And, you know, I said, listen, if you're a school out there, and there's a lot of different options, but if you're a school out there, you know, you can gouge the hell out of Ohio State right now. You can say, listen, you guys need an opponent. We need $8 million. <laughs> so, like, the buy game, the all-time buy game. I oh, love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. The paycheck game. They're already, already, the standard's already like two and a half, three mil. These are, this is COVID. This uh, Prices are a little higher now, right? right. Supply right. and demand. You, you want a football baby. team opposing you. 
I'll get you a football. It's almost like the mob. I want to call Ohio State right now. You guys need a team? I'll get you some opponents. I'll get you a team. I need $7.5 million, yeah. and I promise you I'll get you a college football team. Right. Mike Blue will be breaking it all down with Joe Lisi on Saturday morning. And, of course, catch him on in-game live, and we'll get you on next week uh, for a breakdown after the Buffalo Bills beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. You got it, buddy. Take care. Mike Blewett, get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You're listening to Sports Rage with Gabe Morenci. Late night anger management class. Three minute warning, level three. Another rapid fire here this evening. 180 minute uh, full court press as uh, we throw it down. Thanks to our full complement of guests uh, here this evening, uh, which was uh, Steve Merrill, uh, Steve Merrill, Andrew McInnes, and of course, Mike Blewett. Great stuff uh, with uh, Mike uh, Blewett. And uh, if we can, um, if we can, uh, we can uh, let you know tomorrow we're going to have the Raging Redhead Cam Stewart and Ian Cameron, of course. And um, and we're working on a couple of surprises uh, throughout this week. But this week's just uh, flying by. Uh, this this week's just been flying by. All right, I can't wait to have Kevin Walsh on again. All right, we've been talking. It's good that uh, the Rams are playing on Thursday so we can uh, have a Jared Goff love fest. You know, Mike Blewett just brought up uh, Jared Goff and compared him to Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I think Baker Mayfield, like, um, if everything goes well, like, you know what I mean? He's trying to get to where Goff is at. But at times, yeah, I think that uh, Mayfield, I think Mayfield, um, I, I can see the comparison. Yeah, I put together a list here. Uh, this isn't set in stone or anything like that. And I'm going to iron this out, but I never said that Jared Goff was a top seven quarterback. I didn't say top five. I said top 12. And I said that comfortably, knowing that I had some wiggle room as well. And, you know, Mahomes, Mahomes, Wilson, Rodgers, Josh Allen, Drew Brees, Lamar Jackson. All right, so there are six. I don't want to hear about Tom Brady now, all right? Brady's shot right now. Ben Roethlisberger's shot right now. And we get Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill's having a good year. He's He's been on a nice run over the last couple of years. You know, Matt Stafford is good if, like, you know, he has wide receivers and stuff. Stafford is a good quarterback. Goff, Carr, all in the same ballpark. Like I said, maybe, you know, we're leaving a couple of legends off the list here. Uh, it's an interesting debate that uh, will lock down that I will win. Other than that, you're on your own. Later. <laughs> 